So how are you supposed to follow that? I don't know about y'all, but I've had a really good day so far. <laughs> well, today we are continuing our series through the New Testament. Can you believe it? We've already made it to the ninth chapter of Hebrews. I wish we'd have actually advanced a few more chapters than we are today, because this is one of the harder ones to do. Um, for those who have been following along, you know for the last several days we've been reading about uh, the priesthood of ancient Israel, basically. Uh, the author here is painting something that would have been super familiar to the people that he's writing to, so these early Jewish Christians. But for us, we're so removed from this time period, it's difficult to fully wrap our heads around it. Yes, we studied about the tabernacle and, and the uh, Ark of the Covenant and even Aaron's budded staff and about the manna and all this kind of stuff. We know those kind of things. We even know about the sacrificial system, stuff like that. But we didn't live it like these people did. They were entrenched in this life. They knew what the priests did on their behalf. It, it talked about you know, how the priests would, would uh, have sacrifices to atone for their sins and, and then how they would have to do these daily rituals and all this kind of stuff. It was very important that even the priests that were doing these sacrifices atone for themselves because their own inherent sin may not make this sacrifice worthy of what it was calling for. But we know that blood had to be spared, and we see in Jesus' life the same thing, but it's hard for us just simply to grasp what this is, especially for us Protestants. You know, you may have grown up in a different tradition like Catholicism or, or other ones that, that follow a, a priestly kind of lineage where, you know, their priests are set apart, they may not be able to marry, these kind of things. Or they wear special clothes on Sunday where they have the collars and all that kind of thing. You know, it's kind of neat seeing those, those guys with the collars because you, you know who they are. Wherever they're at, you know what they stand for. But as Protestants, we just kind of blend in. We're, we're just kind of part of the, the crew, or our first among equals, however you want to do it. We believe in this thing called priesthood of all believers. That means each and every one of us that have called on the name of the Lord through his blood and through his sacrifice, we are made in a connection with him like they weren't back then, like they, they had to have this special curtain that separated. I mean, did you, if you've read through it or if you remember the text, even the temple had degrees of acceptability. So you had kind of these outer courts and these middle courts and this inner court and this holy of holy where only certain times of the year could certain people enter it. And if you were lame or if you were female, I hate to say it, but you only could go so far. If you were an upstanding Hebrew citizen that was known rightly and, you know, all you've dotted all your Q's and P's and whatever else you want to do, you could go this far. But if you weren't a priest, you couldn't go this far. So there was these degrees of separation. They would have understood this. They would have understood what was going on in this, this priestly line. And, and so as we read through Hebrews, we know that th this author here is comparing to what they were familiar with what was even better that had taken place Jesus Christ and here we're looking at Jesus descending from an even higher line an obscure character we know as Melchizedek in the Old Testament 
Jesus descends from this line, and he is even more so than these earthly priests. He's not part of this old covenant system. He's part of a new covenant because he, he didn't shed the blood of animals. He shed his own blood. So what was limited in nature, this, this blood of purification that had to be done year in and daily at some points, day after day, and all these things taking place just to come close, Jesus did it once and for all. The death of animals had limited atonement before God because he wasn't a God of after people to sacrifice and to pay offerings to. He wanted a relationship. But because of sin and because of the nature of things, it was only temporal. And an unholy people cannot stand in front of a holy God. There needed to be a mediator, and Jesus took that upon himself as he descended onto this earth and became our priest so that we may all live in connection with God in the holiness. You know, think about structures. So as Protestants, we believe, and some people practice this way, that you know, we can start house churches and meet in basements or, or old uh, uh, grocery stores or, or even share spaces with other things. You know, there's some churches, especially in major metropolitans, that on Monday it's a gym, on, on Wednesday it's something else, and on Sunday it's a church. It's all kind of use in this building. And the more as more as we spread out in this country and uh, populations condense, the more these things will happen. But you have to admit, there's something about a place. We teach our children to act different in a place. When we come into the sanctuary, we don't let them just run wild and climb under the pews or over the pews, even though sometimes we have problems with staff members doing that. <laughs> I'm not naming names. Y'all know who it is. And I apologize somewhat. But really we do. We treat this place as sacred. And there's other places in life that we treat as sacred. These set-apart places. These thin places, as some of the Irish would understand it, to where heaven is just a little bit closer. So we can understand these holy spaces and we can understand that, but sometimes trying to get our heads wrapped around what these people knew intuitively is a little bit difficult for us. And so I tried to think and think and pray and reflect, and it was difficult today on how to make this appropriate to our situation. Because we don't have a priestly line. We have a space, but we are willing to meet outside of here when, it, when the nature calls and things like that. When when the Spirit leads us to other places. And, and so we don't sacrifice animals, which I hope you don't because we're going to call somebody if you are. But how do you relate what was going on in that priestly system to what was going on today? Then I started thinking. This was so much about who they are. There was economies built on this. You think about it. One of uh, the famous uh, stories of Jesus is where he goes in and turns the money table, money changers over. Do you know what that was about? That was about this sacrificial system. It was a way, if you lived too far outside of Jerusalem, you could go and purchase the animal to be sacrificed. There was money to be made, and these people were cheating it, and it infuriated Jesus because this was his father's house. You don't cheat people in your father's house. And so he threw it over, and he cleansed the temple because humanity in its finest is corrupt. And even the Holy One set apart from us can find themselves corrupt 
and abusive. If you don't believe me, Google it. Problems of failures of clergy all around. They don't seem to be get, getting better. Sometimes they seem to be getting worse. So Jesus purified this space so that worship of God could take place. Now, I love joining with you week in and week out as we, we gather around Ashley's leadership of worship. Did you notice in today's songs that we confessed our inner being? We evangelized those who were with us, so we proclaimed who we knew God to be, but we also spoke directly to Him. All in the songs that we sing together. We only can do that is because the Spirit is indwelling in us, and so that we can speak directly to God. There is no curtain that separates us. But then again, how do I compare some of these holy things of the past to today? And I, I keep came up, coming around to this idea of economy because it was so much a part of who they were. I mean, there was tax systems and everything based on the temple, especially pre-Roman days. It was governed how much you, you gave of your, your crop and this so that you could support the temple and those who maintained it and all this kind of stuff because it really was their centerpiece of all things, commerce, religion, and otherwise. So what is our town? Our town is a farming community. There is not one industry here that is not some way in another connected to farming. You may think you're removed, but you're really not. Even our school systems and hospitals thrive on farming. Think about it. Who's the kids we're raising? Farmers' kids? Or those who work in the associated industry? Think of what your employment's like. If we didn't have farming, we probably wouldn't need police or lawyers our insurance salesmen, there'd be just a few people here. Because what's there to do in Floyd 8 outside of farming? If you didn't have farmers to go shop in your restaurants, they wouldn't last long. If you didn't have those who work for a farmer, they wouldn't last long. If you didn't have people who sold things to farmers, they wouldn't last long. Our whole, com our whole economic system is based on farming. And when your entire system is based on a single entity, much like the old priestly system of the Old Testament, there are contingencies on how you survive even during times of famine and want. So just think about it, a bad year here. How does it work? Let's look at it from a farmer's perspective. So even our government sees the importance of keeping a farmer going year after year, even through the bad seasons. So there are subsidies and plans and things like that that the government puts in place to ensure that a farmer may not make a lot of money this year, but they survive to the next. But there's also insurance programs that you can get on, that you can pay into, that protect you from these hailstorms that come through. There's all these things that put together, and that's not even including what the farmer does for themselves as far as if you have a bumper year, you put some money back in savings, or you diversify your investments so that if one bad season, if everything boils into one crop, you're not a complete loss yet. You may grow cotton and corn, and I guess we don't have soybeans yet, but maybe one day. You may have wheat and all these other things that you diversify your land. You may have cattle or raise horses. I don't know. You, you may get into all different things to kind of diversify. 
may have started a, a small supply business to substitute to help subsidize your own farming maybe you got out of farming to do that business full-time but there are people connected there so in a bad year the farmer they may have resources and available and insurance and things like that but what happens to all those other ones what happens to the harvesters or the migrant hired hand all these people bad year they're kind of out of luck you have to look for something else even truckers around here they struggle during bad farming years just think of all that they do so our entire system is around but sometimes it pays to own the land way more than it pays to be a helper of those who work the land so I started thinking about again how does this relate to our sermon today how does this relate to it well if we look at what Jesus did he could have been the perfect insurance salesman right and so for our lives of corruption and sin we deserve death and penalty and hell and separation and all this but when Jesus comes into our life as we follow him he helps us bridge those gap years because that's really what it's about in these systems is about bridging those bad times so that we learn to trust and carry on there are times in our life where we wish we wouldn't relive those years there are heartaches and, and, and pains. There is sickness and death of those that we love. There are many times those years we want to skip. But we have a, a bridge that gets us through those years because he gives us a hope. And we have Jesus Christ. As we think how these things are interconnected, it, it's better than having the best insurance plan or government subsidy, isn't it? Because those only protect a few. In God's economy, everyone is protected. We're protected through those bad years and ultimately through the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are so much better. We are given something. We are given an inheritance. We are given this, this claim to this world like others can't. You know, if you look at statistics, those who are professing Christians, that number's coming down. And honestly, I think that number is still inflated because those are those who would claim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They would claim to be part of the, the, the believing body. They even may confess a genuine conversion experience, especially if you're raised in the South or, or in the, the Southwest like we are. But they're not like that song that my girl sang. They're not seeking to be different. They're not seeking to be changed. They're not seeking Jesus Christ for who he is. And so I ask you, do we truly believe in this priestly system that the Bible of Hebrews talk about? Do we believe that it changes us? Do we believe this in, in chapter 9, verse 23? As he's explaining these, he says, Thus it is necessary for the copies of these heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves are better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true things, but into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor, has it, nor was it 
to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest who entered the holy places every year with the blood not his own for then he would have uh, to suffer repeatedly from the foundations of the world but as it is he appeared once for all to, at all end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and just as it appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment so Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. Are we still relying on our earthly systems? Are we relying on the things that should, in uh, good reason, provide for our future? Are we relying on insurance programs or government subsidies? Are we relying on the kindness of those who are around us, relying on families and friends to do it for us. For those who followed that old covenant, they relied on their actions. They relied on their priests and the, the sacrifice of animals to make them right in front of God. And in all their might and in the history of the Israelites, we see that in their reliance on themselves to be the people God had called them to be, to be the people God had set them apart to be, they failed over and over again and it took God himself to intervene by sending his very own son into history to be that perfect sacrifice once and for all because he didn't just sacrifice something else for his sins he sacrificed his own life and that blood was able to perfectly cleanse and purify and welcome us in so many times we build our religion about how we see as best. Even us Protestants who were removed from all those problems that Catholicism had, you know, years ago. Even us uh, uh, removed from it. We still build our own traditions that we follow. Why do we do the things we do? Why do we do the things we do the way we do them? Because our fathers and grandfathers grandmothers and grandmothers did. I always loved the story of the lady who was uh, preparing her Christmas ham and she cut the end off and put it in the pan to cook it in the oven. And then her granddaughter asked, well, why do you cut the end off your ham? She said, well, that's how I've always done it. I don't know. So they asked great-grandma, well, why do we cut the ends off the ham when we cook it? She said, well, when I was young, we didn't have a lot of money and I only had one pan, so I had to cut the end off to make it fit. But even though we say we don't follow tradition, we follow the Bible, many times we do the things we do because of tradition. Tradition is not necessarily a bad thing. It helps guide us in the practices that we do. It helps teach our young ones to grow and to be mature in the faith. But tradition never saves. It is the only true sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And his work on this earth is what truly matters. And for those like Ella, who followed his call on their life, and who went into those baptism waters, claiming to be a follower, praying for forgiveness of sins, who were buried to their old life. Some of us never came up for air. Some of us stayed buried to the sin that so easily entangles us.
But if that's the way we live our life as Christians, we are drowning. We are stuck in the grave. But for those of you who came up and took that first breath and felt the newness of life, that the old things have passed away and only new things have begun because you had followed the witness of Jesus Christ. For the Christ, having offered once to bear sins of many, he will appear a second time. This is the life we are walking into not to deal with the sin that we gave up when we were buried with him, but to save those who eagerly await him today. As we join together as brothers and sisters to sing our songs of confession and praise and to talk to God directly, are you eagerly awaiting Jesus Christ to come? Are you still in that water? dead to your old sins have you asked God to come into your life have you asked Jesus to come into life and make you different well, we know there is a calling and a reaching Jesus has called us he has called us to live different and he is reaching to help us but if we're still under those waters he's not going to be able to do much with us he needs breathing able bodies to carry his message to carry his hope into this world that is dark and full of pain so where are you at are you still following those earthly traditions that these Jewish people did so many years ago or have you found the better thing have you found Jesus Christ the one who calls you to live different so when everyone sees how you live they will ask what gives you the strength in light of what you just went through? What gives you peace with everything that's evil going on in the world? What gives you the hope that I've been searching for and can't find? Or you say, well, I'm just eagerly awaiting for Jesus Christ because he has been the perfect thing for me. His blood and his sacrifice have made everything right. I can call on him and I can speak with my father directly. Are you excited about that? Are you excited that he is coming to save you and not to judge? Are you still dead in your sins? So even as Christians, we are guaranteed of our faith. But do we live a life that says Christ is better? Christ is better than the angels. Christ is better than our leaders. Christ is better than this, this whole tradition that we call religion. Christ is better than all of the atoning sacrifices of the Old Testament covenant. Do we live truly to the fact that Christ himself is a new covenant and he sealed it with his own blood? Because that's what this book calls us to do. It calls us to recognize who we are in light of such great sacrifice. It calls us to be the people of faith that the world can see in how we live, that we are different, that we have truly found peace in this world. So maybe it's time that we stop pretending to be Christians and follow him with our whole heart. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father,
We are thankful for your witness. We are thankful for these scriptures. Lord, we are thankful for the examples that we found in other godly people. As we live here today, give us the strength to see that we are breathing, that we are no longer dying to sin, that we are struggling no longer because we have you the perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice, the one who calls us to be his own. Let our lives be different than they were yesterday. Let our lives reflect more clearly the light that is shining inside of us. You have commanded us not to hide our light under a bowl, but to be a shining example for the world to see, to be the salt of this earth that will purify and give us hope. Lord, give us the strength to be one of your own. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if Jesus Christ has been knocking on the door of your heart and you've been saying, wait just a minute, but today you actually will respond. Today is the day that you said, Lord, I am ready for you to enter in my life and make me different. Make me one, a person of hope and peace and love so that the evil that so easily plagues this world will not bring me down, but will lift me up so that I can be an example. If you have made that decision and want to come forward, or if you've been visiting for some time and today's the day you want to join and let everyone else know that you're going to join us as brother or sister in Christ, please come forward at this time.